Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnt out? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Welcome to today's Control the Chaos conversation. Today we're going to be talking about different ways that you can infuse your classroom to make it extra and you can make it a little bit fun and engaging for your students. So the reason we're kind of doing this is because spring can be really, really difficult um, to keep the engagement up, keep the behaviors down for our students. We're almost there. Um, Different activities can really help just change some of the activities that our students are expected to do. And so the first topic we're going to talk about is change it to partner work or maybe change the environment. So Tara, do you want to share how you've maybe changed it up a little bit? Oh, absolutely. So I actually, I'm, I'm going to um, give you a personal story here that's unschool related. So I got married this weekend. Yay. Travis and Tara 2.0. The, the craziest story is that we actually got divorced and remarried again. So my minister was from school. And at the end, she said, um, Travis and Tara 2.0. So I kind of love that. But my personal story is, is that Travis had said that we, we, which just, we did this once already. So let's just get married in the courthouse and let's just, it's just about us. That's all we're going to do because we've had the party. We've had the wedding. We've gone through all this. So I changed the environment to infuse a little bit of extra because even though, um, we have done this before. I still wanted it to be memorable, right? Um, And we wanted to have something fun that we could have pictures of and remember regardless of whether it's our first or second time. So I changed the environment. So we went to Buckeye Lake this weekend because we have a boat out there and we love the water and it's a place that's special to us. And we went on my friend's 3XP tour, Paddles, Pedals, and Pints, and she married us right on the water. So it was just about us. We didn't have anybody that was invited except witnesses. And we infused a little extra, even though we didn't have a big party. So it was so much fun and memorable. And when you're thinking about your students, right? Um, and I think about this with my son, if he's not connected to his learning, there's not maybe something sometimes a little memorable about it. If there's not some way that he's finding that kind of love for what he's doing, he gets really unengaged. So changing your environment is maybe not changing the learning experience. What you're doing is actually the same, but it can just create a different feel for whatever it is, a different type of connection to whatever you're doing. So instead of getting married in a courthouse, we got married on a dock and it was the same people, same thing we were doing, but it just infused that little extra to make it something that's memorable. And we want to see that same thing in the classroom. Um, 
I used to take my kids outside towards the end of the year and we would sit at picnic tables around the back of the school and we would do some lessons out there and just giving them a little bit of spring and a little bit of independence to complete their assignment outside and I would walk around or sometimes we would read outside really did increase that engagement um, because they were able to get out of their space a little bit and connect a little bit different to the content. Yeah, and I think your wedding 1.0 was pretty memorable too, <laughs> the way that you're explaining that. So maybe we can share that story at another time. <laughs> um, but yes, even I've seen teachers just switch up and kind of change the classroom. Like the, the desk might be in rows and they move them to group work. Uh, so four students at a table or partners or things like that. So easy, quick little changes in just your environment can really spice things up for your students. Another way we can um, infuse some engagement into the lessons is by adding choices and allowing students to explore the content. So what I like to do if students have never used choice boards, I like to give them three choices. And the reason I do this is because when I started teaching, I would give students nine choices and they wouldn't do any of them. They would just sit and kind of stare at the choices. Um, and I was like, what is going on? Like I, you have all of these options, all of these really engaging activities um, that connect with the learning and the standards that we're kind of working on. Well, they were like, choice overloaded, I think. <laughs> and so I've really backed down to just kind of three choices. Um, we've also used like this or that boards where students can just pick between two different options. And so allowing choice and allowing some of that student voice can allow them to have a say in the classroom. They can start to maybe show you things that you might not have known about them the whole school year. Um, for example, we did like a choice board activity and one was like, choose your own, but teacher approval. And this one kid came up to me and he said, can I use Tinkercad? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know how to use it. So you'll have to like know how to use it or watch YouTube videos because I don't have the time right now to help you like with the using part of that activity. This kid created this 3D model of his thing. The student was on an IEP. The teachers were completely shocked. I had no idea that the student was on an IEP. So when we give the students choices on how they can create and demonstrate their knowledge, I think sometimes they surprise us. So I love how you did explain though that nine choices was too many um, because we oftentimes, oh yes, think like, oh, when I go out to dinner, oh, I'll list um, five different places to go. And all of a sudden I have no idea where I wanna go. It's kind of the same for kids. Have you ever heard of decision-making fatigue? Decision mm -hmm. fatigue is like a real thing. I don't know if you've ever heard of heard about it, but the way to avoid that is really just to fall back on some easy choices for students and making like a failed safe choice. We use that a lot actually in behavior using failed safe choices where you are kind of giving that student um, a little bit of independence to choose the way they would like to get to where they're going, um, but they all have the end, the same end in mind. So one of the things I like to talk about is when you are exploring the choices, number one, um, make sure that you don't give a choice that 
you don't want the student to choose, that you would prefer them not to choose, um, because more than likely that's the, the choice that they'll make. Um, and always keep the, the end in mind, right? So if you start, you can start backwards. So where, what is it that I want them to do? What is it that I want them to accomplish? And how many ways can I get there? And that really could be as simple as, would you like to do this with a crayon or would you like to do this with a colored pencil, right? When we start at a lower level and then as they get older, we add different types of choices. So we can get to kindergarten and we can provide choice in a different way all the way up through high school, because you're going to have to learn to make those decisions and choices as well. So it's not just about really providing the student a choice in the way they want to learn or explore or assess, but also this is a life skill when you really think about it. We're constantly faced with choices to make every single day. So teaching a student to make those choices and being able to make those decisions on their own and not getting um not using our our full mental energy to make a choice is really important because there is a thing such as decision fatigue so making sure that we balance those choices and not overwhelming them with nine like stephanie said so another topic that we like to think about when we're increasing that engagement is kind of adding a twist that maybe is unexpected that you wouldn't normally throw in there and there there can be so many there can be simple ones such as like hey we're gonna halfway through stop and do 30 jumping jacks to give that student a little bit of movement or it could be something like power up cards. Stephanie, I know you've done power up cards several times. Do you think you could share with us a little bit more, more about power up cards? Yeah, so power up cards can add the engagement and add some gamification into your classroom pretty quickly. Um, what I do is I have just a Google slide of a ton of different just little cards that I can print, laminate and reuse them. And on the cards, it might say like, right with your left hand. It might also say you can power down your Chromebook to another group member or another team. Uh, you can use someone from another group and make them a part of your group for this question or this task. And so with those cards, students are typically working together in groups. And usually they earn them by being collaborative, working together, um, maybe using critical thinking, um, all of those kind of skills that they need to be successful in um, in a group and working together because that group skill is a huge, huge skill that students need when they go into future jobs. And I know sometimes groups can be kind of stressful um, and because kids might not get along or they don't want to work with certain students, but using these power up cards can kind of help bring them back together and gamify your classroom just a little bit. And so what students can do with these power-up cards is they can go over to another table. Well, they usually have to come to me first and then say, I wanna use this on this group. And then if I approve it, I go over to the group. I say, hey, groups B said, you need to power down your Chromebooks. You have to do that. Or hey, you're in timeout for 30 seconds. And sometimes this is like a time type of activity as well. 
And so with those cards, we're able to um, kind of collaborate together with the students. After I use it the first time, I use the ones that I created. And then I just sit with them and I talk about, okay, what went well? What was maybe a challenge? What power-up cards would you add? And so when they tell me what power-up cards they would add, I add them to my slide deck. And then I can print them and reuse them when we play the game again. Oh, that's fine. I like that idea. I've never done that piece of it for when I've used it before. Um, one thing that I like that you said too is timing it, right? I think timing it is one of those things that is really quick. If you throw a timer in there for kiddos and all of a sudden it, they have to beat the clock, it's like not even a competition against others, but a competition against the clock. And then they really start to step up their game. I use a timer and so many different things in the classroom. It's such a, a real um, easy tool to increase engagement because all of a sudden they're, they look at the clock and they're like, I have to beat the clock or I have to get it in this amount of time because I know if the timer goes off, I'm not going to have uh, be able to finish. Or, or if the timer goes off, I'm going to get a piece of candy or some extra recess time if I get it all done or some extra free Chromebook time or whatever it is if they make it in that amount of time. So that really can increase engagement too. And it's just one of those really minor uh, techniques that you can throw in there anytime, almost in any activity that you do. And I think we've seen that timer activity with our boot camps this past week. So this past week, it was um, physical fitness week. And so our students had to pack up and walk to the gym and they had to beat the timer. Another activity that we did this week was using a count up timer. So they had to get organized and then they wrote down how long it took them to get organized. I think we found some books. I hope not food, but I think we found some food <laughs> back from August um, in these kids' book bags because we don't allow them the time to just kind of clean up. So allowing maybe some of the time at the end of the day, hey, how quickly can you clean up? How quickly can you get organized? And then always having that quick inspection of did they do it or did they not? <laughs> so let me just add these were sixth graders getting ready to go to junior high and they you know, are used to staying in the classroom all day. So now we're like, okay, when you leave this classroom in junior high, you're not going to be going back. So you can't forget anything. You have to have everything packed up. It's not something you want to leave behind because there's a class coming in behind you. You need to also make sure you're picking up the floor, not just at the end of the day when you're getting ready to leave for the day, but after every class because we know somebody's coming in behind us and we're not leaving a mess for the next person that's going to sit in that desk area so as they were prepping and i mentioned to them to look on the floor and we had the timer running they were like so kind of escalating like what do you mean we have to pick up the trash and yeah, when you're in junior high and you're leaving for the day, your junior high teachers are really not going to want you to leave a mess for the next person that comes in. So it was kind of fun. Um, I know that we definitely enjoyed it, but the timing of the locker combinations is a hoop for real. I mean, these kids are very challenged 
uh, with their locker combinations. And I'm kind of excited to see if it impacts the junior high next year, because usually the first week of school, that's all they're doing is walking around helping kids with lockers. So the fact that they're working on it now and they're practicing and they're like persistent to try to get these locker combinations down is kind of a fun activity to do as we're getting ready towards the end of the year. So on to gamify it. You mentioned gamify it. We have, you have been posting on Twitter, vindictive. They've been having group vindictive. It looks so much fun. I have not had the opportunity to to play in class yet. Um, So actually, if you know somebody that's doing it, please tell them to invite me so I can see it. But tell us a little bit more about Vindictive. Yeah, so when test prep kind of comes about, um, it can be really boring for students. And at the end of the year, we have like our end of year testing. We have our diagnostic test. And again, Sometimes it's kind of sit and get for the students. And so what I try to do is I try to bring out some games um, that students can play. And so Vindictive is one of those games that the kids love. Um, It allows you to pull any questions. So if you have task cards, you could even do like Disney trivia. You can do kind of whatever questions you want to do. And everybody stands up. So all of the students are standing up. And then the teacher asks the question. And... Um, they call on a student. If the student gets it right, they get to pick three students to sit down. Um, what I have loved about this is because sharing on Twitter with that personal uh, or the personal learning network is that people have taken this and adapted it. So they have like a save our students version where the person, if they get it right, they can save somebody that's sitting down to stand up. There's team version. So rather than just playing individually and trying to be the last person standing, The goal is the team should be the last person standing. So tons of different ways that you can play this. And if you're like, I have a better idea, do it because you can kind of adapt it or you could even use a power up where they can't maybe speak. They have to act out their answer. Um, So, again, there's tons of different ways that you can play Vindictive. And so what the students do is they answer questions in the last team. The last person standing is the winner. Another game that we've played is Grudge Ball. And so again, students answer questions, and if they get the question right, they have an option of taking off two X's on the board from a team, or they can shoot a basketball, and if they score from the two-point line, they would get three X's. If they score from the three-point line, they get five X's. And then they can decide which teams are going to lose X's, and the team that has the most X's at the end of the game wins that game. So lots of fun and different ways that you can kind of gamify your instruction just at the end of the year when you are trying to um, engage your students or maybe you have an extra 10 minutes these games can take 10 minutes 20 minutes it's kind of up to you you're able to set a timer and the students play until the time is up um so i love gamifying and adding that little bit of competition but i do have to add it always doesn't hurt to go old school as well. It's amazing how many kids have never played Jeopardy when you get to middle school or junior high, or how about this really old one? I think I posted this maybe, I don't know, maybe I didn't, hot potato. (laughs) When was the last time you played a game of hot potato? Most kids don't even know what hot potato is. 
when you start to get to this age because there's so many games that they play. So just thinking about some of those old school ones, I mean, there's so many ways that you can mix it up or go in digital, go in Kahoot or look, uh, look it. So just thinking about all those different games that you can play, some tech, some just old school games that you don't get to do very often um, at the end of the year, that's throw something at your kids that they haven't seen in a while. Yeah. So, so let's talk about roadblocks. So what might occur um, when we are going to make some of these changes into our lesson? What roadblocks have you seen, Tara? Oh, one of my biggest things is making sure that there's expectations in place. And regardless of whether you have played the game, added the choice, made a twist, that you're making sure that you review all of the expectations with them prior to the game. You could play the game 30 times in your class throughout the year or on your team, but still in the springtime as we get a little bit more chaos, we're out of routine, different things are happening, um, events, we want to make sure that we get into those expectations, we remind them, we review them, we model them if we needed, need to model them, just making sure that they know exactly, or maybe play a practice game where there's no points so that way if you play the practice game and you can they you can kind of correct them and say okay now we're going to play for points or we're going to play for whatever it is the, that your that your end goal is and just make sure that they know what the expectation is yeah i think modeling it just kind of like you were going to at the end of what you just said can help um even if it's group work, pull up maybe that couple students and have them model like a fishbowl to the whole class on how they're supposed to conversate, how, what kind of conversations are they supposed to have? What are they supposed to be talking about um, when they are working in group work? What does it look like? And so modeling, I think, can also help. And then weather. <laughs> weather can be a huge roadblock um, when it comes to planning these activities, especially if you're like, okay, we're going to go outside, we're going to change up the environment, uh, and then it decides to rain. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're not in Ohio and it's not getting cold 30 degrees in April like we were last, so we don't have to worry about that. But definitely the rain can impact your plans, so making sure that you're flexible as well, not just for the weather, but for different, what if, what if the what if the twist that you added is unsuccessful? Being able to change that twist on the fly. Okay, this really didn't work. We have to go in another direction, right? Um, I think that has happened before where you're like, okay, let's put everybody, whole group, Let's open up the wall. If you have a wall that you open in between classes, this worked really well yesterday. Everybody was really engaged, being whole group. Now we open up the wall, expecting it to go just as well today as it went yesterday when we're doing the activity. 
and all of a sudden it starts going in a negative direction and not going the same way that it went yesterday. So being able to like kind of switch that flexibility, we changed the environment by opening up the wall. We made it a big whole group combining two classes and it was just not going, going well. So we changed it up really quickly on the fly. And I think that's something, of course, we need to think about the entire year, not just the end of the year, right? Being flexible, recognizing if something's not working, let's switch it up. But that's that's definitely a roadblock because you you just sometimes we throw some of those extra things in that we haven't done before and maybe the students aren't ready for it or it's not a great day. So being flexible, that's a roadblock for sure. And our call to action today is to try one of these different ideas that we kind of talked about and shared in today's episode, where you might infuse something that might be more engaging or it might shake it up or spice things up in your classroom and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us and you can tag control chaos edu um, on Twitter and Instagram. And again, we would love to see how you are infusing your learning to engage your students this week. Thank you everybody for hanging with us today. We appreciate you just as we always do. If you like it, please share the episode with your friends, leave us a comment on whatever platform you're listening on. And until next time, control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos until next time.